here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It is August. It is time for the now third biggest weekend in WWE during the calendar year. It is time for SummerSlam and all the events it entails. I am Jeff Hawkins here as always with my co-host Chris Novembrino. And Chris, an experiment in France showed that women solicited in the street for their phone number were more willing to give it to men if they were carrying a guitar case. Well, I mean, there's hope for me yet, I suppose. I'm like, this is science? This is what we're getting to now? No, apparently. How do you get the financing for that study, right? 300 young. We're going to do a study on this? 300 young women were solicited in the street for their phone number by a young male confederate who held either a guitar case or a sports bag in his hands or had no bag at all. Results show that holding a guitar case was associated with greater compliance to the request, thus suggesting that musical practice is associated with sexual selection. Somehow I don't think a guy with a sousaphone would be getting phone numbers. I don't think musical is necessarily the, the barometer here. Yeah, speaking of musical, what an off-pitch study for the Me Too moment that we are in right now. Just go up and be like skeezy to women and try to get their number, just walking up to them on the street like that. That's, uh, I mean, maybe it flies in France, but like, I think it would get you in serious trouble in certain cities here in the United States. It's the journal Psychology of Music, and it, it, they, they were all French professors, and I just think, you know what? Just get a French guy in New York City. And he's getting phone numbers just for being French. So, I mean, it's it's not exactly the most scientific study in the world to me, but I, I, I laughed at that. Um, yeah, so it's SummerSlam. It's TakeOver. It's, uh, it's the dead of summer, Chris. This is what they do. It really feels like the dead of summer this year. <laughs> this is, uh, they are limping into SummerSlam. It- this God, time, I am I am so happy someone else agrees with me because I, it's only been three weeks since the last quote unquote big event, and they really I, none of these builds feel as hot as they should be. There were a few that had potential, and there are a few that people are kind of backtracking and imagining heat, where like the Kofi Orton one. Which has been a decent build, but it could have been so much hotter. It could have been Kofi mad as hell at Randy Orton and just ready to tear his throat out. And I'd be all for this. But the other problem is the NXT build hasn't been anything to write home about either. And it's really, I mean, look, 
We say it a lot here on this show. Do not doubt NXT takeovers because they are always going to deliver. But at the same time, this NXT television for the All past the storylines have felt weird. Every major pay-per-view match on that takeover, I think the match itself is going to deliver. But when you actually look at the beats of the story, there were several good ones and then one that made you scratch your head. Yeah, and also I think they've been doing a little bit too much instead of focusing on these things, like the uh was it the new the the new stars tournament has been in here. They've been trying to get other storylines going that don't focus on it. So so the focus on angles has really not been there. And you you're exactly right. There'd be like two weeks where something was great, and then one week where you're just going, huh? And it's it's kind of weird, but we'll go through all the cards. Uh, first up, though, some WWE news and notes from the week. On Raw, if you watched that, we have new women's tag team champions, Chris. Those valued, valued NXT women's tag champs. As Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross win a four-way match. When Alexa Bliss pins Kyrie Sane. Which is fascinating in its own right. So glad they got those titles off of... Uh, Bailey and Sasha to put them on the Iconics, who I admit I laugh at the Iconics, but they are not great ambassadors for the tag team titles in terms of what a lot of people who love the women's revolution want it to be. But we're going to further this Nikki and Alexa's best friend story, Chris. Any any thoughts? And if you say no, it's perfectly fine. No, I don't <laughs> really care for the Iconics in this role of top of the division characters. I think they're right. perfectly fine as lower tier characters and you know, in a spot you could have had them have a run, but it made no sense to get the belt off of Sasha and Bailey and the Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss thing, I think they're trying to stretch out this storyline because it was too obvious initially that Alexa was going to turn on Nikki Cross and now all you're doing or at least all I'm doing whenever I'm watching this is waiting for Alexa to turn on Nikki Cross. I'm waiting for them to blow this somehow um, because I think I think in their minds they're intending to try and push Nikki Cross here but I also just think at the end of the day it's going to be a showcase for Alexa Bliss because they like Alexa Bliss and there's nothing wrong with their biases. Their biases are not my biases. Even though I like Alexa Bliss, I don't think she should be this all powerful character that they have on this show. But uh, yeah, that notwithstanding uh, some programming news as AEW decides to go live week to week, starting in October on Wednesdays, NXT rumored to be going to FS one airing live for two hours a night, eight to 10 PM. I think this is a bad mistake. I don't think NXT has two hours of programming in them every week. And I think being live is an issue because when you record things, you can re-record things. You can edit to make things make sense. Or you can edit if people get injured, etc., etc. I I know people want this to be live. I know that they're like... Uh, Oh, man, if it's not live wrestling, people will just ignore it or just DVR it. But I think part of the reason NXT is such a great program is because it's recorded. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say that I think that this is an interesting way to counterpunch AEW. 
and NXT can do two hours of television, what you'd have to do is something almost kind of Monday Night Nitro circa 1996-ish, where the first hour... You have opening promo with the actual stars of the brand, the actual champion or like the Velveteen Dream, whoever is the actual star. And then you have some prelim matches where it is actual people developing. Um, the developing talents of tomorrow, uh, your Umberto Carrillo's a few months ago, or your Angel Garza's now. Uh, I, I think there's room on this card for those people to have matches. And then you can have your weekly hour of television. Because you got to remember, you're also working in commercial breaks, too. So two hours seems daunting. But when you actually stretch it out and time it out, I think it just looks more like one or two prelim matches in an opening promo of some length, and otherwise you have just a basic NXT-style show. I think it's a bit of a political hit, too. Um, FS1 does not have the viewership of TNT. FS1 struggles for ratings. It always has. Struggles for eyeballs. A lot of people don't even know where it is on their cable package. A lot of people have to pay extra for it on their cable package. I, I am just... To me, it's not a real competition. It's it's an effort to siphon off a few eyeballs. It's a half-assed competition. And and I have a bit of a problem with that because my biases are that I really like the NXT brand. And I really would hate to see anything negative happen to it. I, I think do it as well, but I miss the developmental quality of NXT. And it would be nice for them to be able to work that back in some. I think they're going to end up combining 205 Live with it to get that second hour. I, I do. Well, then I that would be a different thing. Yeah. I, I'm, and I'm, I, I don't think I would like that as much. I'm yeah, just saying I, there is a way for them to do two hours on television with commercial breaks, and you're not actually stretching it out all that much. I just think it's like putting up arena ball against the NFL. I, I just don't see it as I – don't, I don't see it as head-to-head competition all that much. But anywho um, – those of you interested in geopolitical stuff, WWE has announced the date of its next show in Saudi Arabia. It will be Halloween. I hope. I hope to God someone has, or, I, or as someone says, I hope someone hasn't told Vince. But I hope someone has told Vince that Halloween uh, displays in Saudi Arabia are against the law. People have been arrested for Halloween parties in Saudi Arabia. Uh, You're not allowed to have uh, religious demonstrations of any religion other than Islam. Book Abdullah the Butcher. so, so uh, So a costume battle royal would be the worst idea possible. But that's no, totally in Vince's wheelhouse. I disagree. I think it would be yeah, a really good idea. No, that would be a, a good idea. No, I'm you're not. I, I'm not. No, no. You're the sadist who wants them to run shows in Saudi Arabia. I think no, if we're going to do it, we need to. we need to make this thing a toilet. No, let's light it on fire. Yeah, like, let's do a Halloween show for real. Hold on. I know. I want to go against <laughs> your phrase that I want them to run in Saudi Arabia. I didn't say I want them to run in Saudi Arabia. I say I am ambivalent to the money aspect of it because i'm just like look there's a lot of governments out there they're going to give people money to put shows on aew is going to put on a show or at least send talent over to shows in china 
and China ain't exactly, you know. I, I, I'm aware. It, it's this is also a problematic relationship. There are and, problematic relationships. Is is pretty much no, what I'm no. Saying. I think this is this is a fair point. The sense that I think WWE gets a free pass on their framing of their relationship with China. Like, if you think that the relationship with China is liberalizing China, but you mean WWE or, or AEW. Um, WWE also has a relationship with China. Yes, and so yeah, does yeah, the UFC. Yeah, so does the yeah, UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, mean, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's nudging China closer to us in all that much. Or, I mean, or, you, yeah, you can make the nuanced argument. Well, they're not working for the government and doing propaganda. I get that. That's fine. Yes, but that's, but that's everything. Definitely fair. But everything in China is propaganda in some ways when it also comes to true. American business. So yeah. I, you know, I don't. <sighs> problem, problem. Is, look, I'm. I just don't want the look. If Vince got arrested for a costume battle royal, that'd be fine. If the boys got held up because they decided to celebrate Halloween because of something they were told by management to do, that's when I'm not okay with it, Chris. So that that's just my point. Is that I could see Vince heading out on his jet, leaving his wrestlers there. Going, well, I got a developmental system where I could just bring up everybody because I decided to have you know a bunch of people dress up as Waldo or something. Like that. Well, Muhammad bin Salman is a pretty reasonable guy. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? WrestleMania 2021, they are lobbying, forces here in Los Angeles are lobbying for it to be in the new Hollywood Park Stadium that will house both the Rams and the Chargers once it's open. Um, much like the San Jose uh, football stadium kind of uh, got its sea legs by testing it out on the WrestleMania crowd there. I don't know if I will go down to Inglewood if, I, if WrestleMania is there. You know, I, L.A. is L.A., and it's always difficult to get anywhere around here. You know, it, it, I'll go. I'll go to Takeover on that weekend. I think. Uh, yeah, WrestleMania all the satellite only. shows. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the better way to go. And if I was going to do WrestleMania weekend again, I wouldn't be doing WrestleMania unless the card was crazy good. I'd probably be coming out to do the takeovers and the other satellite shows. The satellite shows in Dallas spoiled me because they were so close to everybody else. And, and so the food you could... was really good too and yes. it was really train accessible. No, I know. It was nice. Uh, so that's it for the news. Do you want to do minor TV recaps or just kind of do it as we uh, go along in our SummerSlam and TakeOver a previews? I feel like at least 205 Live deserves the minor TV recap treatment. Well, so... we, can, uh, we can do that in uh, because a, one of the matches from 205 Live ties into SummerSlam, so we can start with that. Drew Gulak will be taking on Oni Lorkin in a singles match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. That was solved by a six-pack challenge on 205 Live. As you know, one of my least favorite tropes is putting in multiple-person matches for number one contenders. I'd oh, I know. Build them. I was disappointed, and I felt this match was a bit disappointing. Oni Lorkin's kind of new, which is kind of cool. but um, He is a great wrestler. This character hasn't really bonded with me in any meaningful way because it's really just built around him being a bit off and I like the if Drew Gulak wants a fight that's a fight I want 
line because it's so weird and circular and yet oddly very fitting with this character but it's not enough to actually hold on to or latch on to at this point and I completely agree with you on the multi-man thing I think it makes Tony Nese kind of look lower tier and I think it makes all these other guys who have been having nice respective showings feel very plateaued out with one another yeah, and and I also just think it make it, it makes five people into losers. I right. mean, it, it yes. really. I mean, they they almost put that point over when they were talking about Gallagher and how he hasn't had a title shot in a year and a half, and Gallagher's character reinvention has been pretty good. I would make the notable exception. I hate the umbrella spot coming back. I I really do. I think it's too sports entertainment. It's it's main roster fodder stuff. That I don't want here. Um, I was also disappointed. I gotta say, I I thought the characterization of Umberto Carrillo on this 205 live show was pretty bad because he's the clean cut good guy, and after the match, he's attacking not only Lince Dorado but Grand Metalik, who didn't do anything. This I, whole I found, Lucha House Party angle is very confusing. I would say. Is it confusing to you? Because it seems to me they're going to turn uh, Dorado heel at some point. I think that's fairly I think clear. that's fairly obvious, yes. But when you introduce Umberto Carrillo attacking Lince Dorado, or I'm sorry, not Lince Dorado, although he did attack Lince Dorado as well, but Grand Metalik, that was weird because I do think, yes, you're right, at some point Lince Dorado becomes a heel, but that's got to be several beats down the road here. First, now they have to settle things up with Umberto Carrillo, who I thought was a babyface being built as a babyface, but he did this, and this was clearly a heel move. Mm-hmm. And unless you're going to re-raise and make the entire Lucha House Party heels, I don't. I just don't get having Umberto Carrillo doing this this week. I think the Lucha House Party as a heel faction would be interesting. I agree. I, gotta, I, I mean, especially when you watch that match with them and uh, Raul Mendoza. Who they didn't follow up on the very next week, which also that just that drives me crazy too. When you introduce a guy, and then you decide not to follow up on that introduction, I I, I just went what? But them as heels versus pandering baby faces would be far more interesting, and would also eliminate this crap whenever they're in a match with a guy like Umberto Carrillo, where everybody's chanting lucha lucha. When in actuality they're trying to get. Umberto over. That's just insane to me. Yeah. So I think all of those problems need to be resolved. And then you also work in Arya Davari backstage here. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. they're turning Umberto Carrillo heel. I, I just, there's too many items in this recipe for my taste, at least. It's a gumbo, Chris. We just need the roux to bring it all together. That's all yeah. we need. Yes. Uh, um, I think Gulak wins this one. I, I think agree. It's competitive, but I think Gulak finds a way. I think it's going to be, yeah, hard and brawling, but eventually he's going to choke out Oni Lorcan. Oni it's Lorcan's gonna, not going to tap out, but he is going to choke out. It's probably going to be on hour one of the pre show with yeah. like a quarter of the audience in there, and they're probably going to work their asses off and uh, 
and it'll be quickly forgotten. There, There is a chance, by the way, that there are more matches added as we go because we still don't have Buddy Murphy. We still don't have Roman Reigns. We still don't have Daniel Bryan. We still don't have Shinsuke versus Ali, which was supposedly being built up, although they beat Ali this week. Um, yeah, so, but that there are 10 matches, nine more to go. Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair. Trish representing Canada and mothers and legends. And I could care less because Trish Stratus has been coming back for the last year and a half for special shots. So it's not that special. Chris, who do you have in this one? I think that Charlotte is going to beat Trish. And and that is sort of the... We're going to start building Charlotte more as a heel, and that's part of the vehicle. This is supposedly Trish Stratus's retirement match. I am under the impression that she will look up at the lights, and then there will be a showing of mutual respect, which will further confuse the heel-face dynamic of Charlotte Flair in some way. Uh, but I, I do expect Charlotte Flair to win that one as well. Uh, Goldberg coming back for one shot to redeem himself after the last Saudi Arabia show. Taking on Dolph Ziggler. I think I speak for Chris. Chris may disagree with me, but anything other than spear, jackhammer, pin is Would too be much. ridiculous. Yeah. And ridiculous. Dolph is here to die for our sins. His characterization has been interesting. But again, one week build, pretty much. Yeah, and I feel like we say Dolph Ziggler is interesting once every two and a half years for about three weeks at a time. That's a true statement. For the WWE United States Championship, AJ Styles, champion, taking on Ricochet. I think the club gets involved. I think AJ Styles. Styles you don't retains. say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it should be a good match, though, up until that point. But, you know, story. <laughs> Finn Balor taking on Bray Wyatt in a singles match. Chris? I think Finn Balor loses. I think that they don't view Finn Balor as a top-of-the-card champion, face-of-the-company type of guy anymore, and so he's going to eat losses occasionally, and they need to build up this new Bray Wyatt character. The Fiend, if you didn't hear him say it 23 times during Raw. The Fiend, the Fiend, the Fiend, the Fiend, him being Michael Cole. Uh, I think Finn Balor's losing this one, and I think he's taking a sabbatical until Survivor Series, where he will reappear as the Demon. And then it'll be to the have Demon versus the Fiend. The Fiend, yes, correct. Wow, that's, man, it's like the worst comic book ever. <laughs> In a singles match, Kevin Owens taking on Shane McMahon, with the stipulation that if Kevin Owens loses, he will quit WWE. Chris, what do you have in store for this program? I think Kevin Owens loses, and then he starts doing a Stone Cold Steve Austin retribution campaign. I agree. Um, The cool way to do it would be you never see Kevin Owens, but you know it's Kevin Owens. Yes. The dopey way to do it would be... The, the way that I think they look at Kevin Owens, which is kind of a new Dusty Rhodes type character. So it may be Kevin Owens under a mask. And I just would be disappointed in that. Yeah, I think because there was a rumored match that was supposed to be Drew McIntyre versus Cedric Alexander on here. That has not yet as a post time been announced. But I do think Drew McIntyre probably gets 
involved in this and gives Kevin Owens a Claymore kick to then help Shane win. How about that? I think that sounds right. For the WWE Championship, Kofi Kingston taking on Randy Orton. In at least Orton's been interesting in this build, even though he kind of tunes out from time to time, in my opinion. I think it's a chance for Kofi Kingston to show some aggression. I think it's a chance for Kofi Kingston to break out of character in a bit. Is Randy Orton actually going to apply himself during this match, or is he going to play the hit slightly better than he has been for the last, let's say, year and a half? You know what? I think he's going to do Kofi a favor. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna come in and really. If he do his applies himself, yet. he's still got enough left in the tank. I think he can give Kofi a really good match, but. I have seen Randy Orton go and stink it up on high-profile pay-per-view events pretty reliably for the last yeah, year and year and six months. I would agree, and but I, uh, man, I think what could have been with a nice six-week build where Randy just keeps on mocking Kofi over and over until Kofi just loses his crap and 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 gets at Randy and says, "I hate you for what you did to me ten years ago." Now I'm going to get my revenge, and it becomes a real kind of bloodlust-type feud. I think Kofi Kingston wins, throws some pancakes. They put over much bigger than it is, but I think it's more of a standard match. So, I mean, it'll be a good match, I think. And Kofi will go over, and I think he'll still not mean too much uh, as WWE champion. Bailey taking on Ember Moon for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, God, this one has been terrible too. I, I just it it. It's a build that makes you like each one nobody. of them less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a build that killed my interest in either of these two. I don't really and, care who wins this fight. I, I know you guys are gonna fight. I'm not even more into this fight than I was yeah. before. Initially, when it was just babyface versus babyface, I go, oh, this will probably just be a good match. And if you can't make the drama. Better than just a babyface and another babyface having a good sporting match, then don't override it. Just do the match. I think Ember Moon has been criminally underused too, and she's an incredibly likable character as a babyface, which is also why I think she turns heel on Bailey during this match. I think she goes full on heel as opposed to the, was it, taking advantage of a situation. And stuff like that that they usually do to keep two people babyface. I think she goes full heel. Perhaps with the help of a Nikki Cross interfering on her behalf through uh, through Alexa Bliss. Which might help bring Sasha Banks back. Who knows? I don't know. I've heard nothing about Sasha Banks coming back or not. I don't know what's up with her because she's still very active on social media pushing her brand. But I think Bailey retains mostly. I think that's probably right. Yeah, I, I don't think they want to put the belt on Ember Moon. In an, yeah, in another in another women's championship match that hasn't uh, hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. Becky Lynch versus Natty in a submission match. Oh man, this um, new Becky Lynch character, she is so likable. This is someone I am behind. Her struggle is my struggle. Who doesn't like being a dick to Natty? Yeah, but Chris Natty shoved Trish during their tag match, so obviously that means Trish is the asshole too. It's it's just been like that all the way. Is is that during this build, both characters have become more unlikable each way, and even Becky's natural charm on promos, which has become really played upon, I think, since since they teamed her with Seth, 
it's kind of become a, now I'm going to play professional wrestler promo. I am I like Becky Lynch a lot. I think she's going to win this match. I think she's not going to be as big of a heel as they think she's going to be in front of this Canadian crowd. I also think, and Chris, you're going to hate this, I think there's a chance of some version of the Montreal screw job because they can't help themselves. In no way. Not yeah. a chance. Really? Or in Canada. I mean, no, yeah. not really. Oh wow, you think they'd do the Montreal screw job in Canada? Again, that was so crazy. Yeah, yeah. They whoa. can't help mentioning it. They can't help doing it. And That's they crazy. Can't help doing it with a heart. So, Look, yeah. if if you were going to do Becky Lynch as a heel, I think the one thing that would guarantee her as a heel is if she really paintbrushed Brett. She has to really disrespect Brett, though. Or made out with Brock on top of Seth's corpse. I think that would also put her over as a heel. Um, but yes, I, I, I would agree. Um, speaking of which, the main event for this show, in what has been the worst built main event for a major pa- major pay per view in a long, long time, in my opinion. Brock Lesnar taking on Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins limps down to the ring on Monday with eight of a chair. Gets his butt kicked, gets creamed, and then guarantees victory, which is what baby faces are supposed to do. But if they don't come through, then they're geeks. I think we're just going to replay the hits of him kicking Brock in the balls again, which I think is a played storyline and doesn't get him over as a major single star. I just think Brock wins again. I, I, I could see them putting the belt back on Seth, but I don't see what good that does Seth Rollins. Yeah, I don't see that doing Seth any good. I see the leg injury as an out. But then, what was the whole point of building up Seth Rollins? Because you've really knocked him down a peg again. And I thought, before they put the belt back on Brock Lesnar, I thought for, you know, whatever maybe question marks I had about Seth Rollins. WWE had settled in on him as the de facto face of the company for now. In no small part because you couldn't just keep doing the Brock Lesnar. You can't keep hitting that button. They've been doing the Brock Lesnar thing for years now. And even when they brought him back the first time it felt like, oh, okay, you're doing this so you can do a heat transfer at, at some point. Now, who's the heat transferring to? Who Who's that person? They don't even have that person being built right now. I don't know, because Roman Reigns is in the middle of a <laughs> Agatha Christie novel that's not all that clever. I, I don't know. I mean, this temp, I, I think they should look into him a little bit more. I think WWE needs to be taken to the Labor Department because they're not doing good background checks. There are a lot of twists and a lot of turns in this procedural drama that is going on with the forklift operator. Now, what class license did that temp have? We're going to have to go down to the HR department. And then maybe we're going to have to go to an outside ombudsman, someone who can give us a third-party sort of look at this. I mean, this could stretch all the way out to mania if you play your cards right. Well, he's getting hit by rental cars that magically get better after the wreck as well. So, I mean, the, the special effects team is just really on top of this. So yeah. I, I'm No, there's a, there's a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, uh, and a lot of moving pieces. Roman Reigns channeling his inner Vic Mackey and uh, interrogating Buddy Murphy, who 
<laughs> Buddy, Buddy Murphy's pain threshold for, for giving up people, not exactly the highest in the world. Uh, you know, not the person I want in on a criminal enterprise. Uh, should he be caught by the authorities next time? <laughs> uh, gave up Eric Rowan quickly, so we don't know where that's going. We don't know if that's going to be part of SummerSlam or not. It seems like they decided to bail on it uh, when they decided they didn't have enough time to build the story. So who knows where we'll go with that. It's enough of, of, of the main roster. We're going to get into NXT UK a little bit now as a palate cleanser, so to speak. Um... You know, I, I liked uh I liked the continuing story with Ginny and uh and Jazzy Gabbard always beating Zaya Brookside until Zaya gets a one on one match with Ginny. I think that makes sense. They they put uh they put Piper Niven off with uh, Rhea Ripley, which made sense. I liked that. Um we got the three way tag set up between the uh grizzled young vets. And it looks like we're going to have Gallus and also now um, was Mark it? Andrews Sa- and Flash Morgan Webster. South Wales subculture, SWSC, is is what those jackets were. I thought those jackets were badass, but okay, yeah. <laughs> but they got they got buried as hell by the Crystal Young Vets. Boy, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just that, was it, watching that going, yeah, okay, great. The, the blocking uh, was really bad too, where they're standing outside of the ring. And you have Gallus and the Grizzled Young Veterans in the ring, and they just stay on the apron the entire time. They never even come in the ring. I was just like, ah. Uh, well, God. to me, to me, it's like I kind of wanted the Grizzled Young Vets to look at those two and go, "Get out of here! You don't deserve this," and build up the match between the team that deserves it and the Grizzled Young Vets. I have no problem with heel on heel feuds if you build them correctly, because. One of the heels is going to play babyface in the match anyways. So and, I mean, yeah, Zach Gibson, I, I mean, it's very interesting, I think, even for the crowd to decide, is it Gallus or is it Gibson yes. and the Grizzle Young Veterans? I think this could also start establishing Mark Coffey as this kind of weird underdog heel character. The the brains of the operation, I, he could also be the weird de facto baby face. And it gives the crowd, as you were saying, an opportunity to cheer for somebody different in a context that makes sense. And heel versus heel is fun, man. Heel versus heel could be really fun. Well, we're not going to get that, so let's no. stop talking about Um no. Ashton Smith lost to Noam Dar. Whoop! <laughs> Whoop! Ashton Smith... Um... Someday they're gonna they're gonna do a story with him where he's gonna get a big win and nobody's gonna care. Yeah, no one's gonna um, care. No, I already know how that story's going. I know how that story's gonna go. And Noam Dar's promo here. You know what? I hated it at first, and I and then I turned on it and found it deliciously cheesy that he thinks of himself as a big time free agent and the big time contract that they paid him to come into NXT. But I, I just I, like I that. He's completely full of schmaltz. And yeah. I love when he ends his promos with the thank you boy. Like, I don't know. I, he's got a character. He, he's a little bit boring in the ring and, and, and all of that. And I, I certainly right now, I just feel like he's very uninspired. Yeah. I, I thought he was better when he was doing more submissions this particular moveset that he's working is just, there's nothing to it. 
What was the main event of this show? I forgot. Dave Mastiff versus Joe ah, Coffey, which was pretty good. It ended in a double countout. I'm I'm looking forward to the rematch between these guys. I, although it's like, where's the hunt at? You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, Coffey's helped off by Gallus, and and Mastiff just has uh, the refs there. I'm like, where are my boys at? Yeah, right. Uh, I thought they were still kind of linked up a little bit. It makes sense for them to be running as a pack. My favorite thing on this show, I loved during the hype video when they're, you know, when everybody's kind of talking in the camera and character and stuff like that, was Jordan Devlin's absolute fury at not being in the main event. Oh, I know. Oh, I it was thought so that funny. was great. That I was great. love him. He's great. God, you talk about a guy that last year I could not care less about, and now I just want more of him, man. That's Jordan Devlin. I, I think he's. He's on my most improved, not because he's become a better wrestler, because he was always a great wrestler, but he found he found this great personality. Um, and, uh, and he, he has more presence. So I think he did become a better wrestler. Because it's not just outside of the ring, it's inside of the ring too. He just commands the spotlight a little better now than he did two years ago. And, and so then we had so, Ilya oh. Dragunov and Cassius Ono setting the stage for a match here next week. <laughs> Cassius Ono, the big man, versus Ilya Dragunov, the little man who thinks he's a big man. That, that is going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how they work that match. So now we get into the world of NXT TakeOver. Um, we got a nice little a- half episode here. Yeah, for the build, that's true. Um, I'll tell you something. I, I hate the motif that NXT does. This uh, this Nick Miller versus uh, or it wasn't Nick Miller. It was Shane Thorne. Shane Thorne. Thank you. I had Nick Miller on the brain because of just that's his tag team partner. Don't say his tag team partner. Then I say his tag team partner. Uh, the 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 Shane Thorne versus the artist formerly known as DJZ, now known as what Joaquin Wild. Yes. Bum, bum, this bum, is bow. this is the NXT trope of we have a young guy that we haven't really pushed yet, but we see something in that might have potential later as a crowd pleaser and a guy we're trying to reestablish. So we have a 50-50 match and nobody cares about either by the end of it. I felt like Shane Thorne with no reintroduction when they were recapping all the stuff he did when he was in TM61. I was like, oh, yeah, show me that. Yeah, I know they show really need that? to show people that because show for me a lot- that in in the midst of a promo where he's cutting about going. I'm going after all these guys in this tournament. Why does Eddie Dennis get gimmick. those? He Eddie Dennis gets those. Why can't Shane Thorne? Yes, a Shane Thorne promo video showing the highlights of him doing the jump off the scaffolds and stuff like that, which most people have forgotten that he was the. <laughs> I think Rob McCarron put it more bluntly and a little bit too cruelly. He was the one with talent in TM61 um, doing all these things. And then the anger, angry promo with, with Morrow. And then him just looking in the camera and going, I'm going after all of them because they're taking a spot that's mine. And then you have a story where week to week he goes after each one of these guys in the tournament until he gets to the one guy he doesn't beat. And then it becomes a feud. I that would have been great. Here it's like when he stormed off after the match. I thought something had happened at first. That <laughs> I was like, "What? What is he doing?" Um, 
I, I just didn't care for it. I thought this match was booked poorly in a way. And I just think both people by the end of it, sure, they each had moves, but at the end, it was like it's a 50-50 match and nobody cares about either of the 50. Yeah, well, it's a 50-50 match, except that at the end of it, DJZ is now 0-2. So this is supposed to be a breakout star, and he's not breaking out. He's going the other way. And then we had... I actually kind of liked the promo with the Street Profits and... Uh, the Undisputed Era at points. So red there was, <laughs> yeah, Red Dragon. Yeah, that's what I was gonna call him, Red Dragon, because I'm, I'm like having old gimmick day. I, I could, I could hear the hesitation. I'm like, he, he wants to say Red Dragon, and he's trying to remember the name of their stable in XT. So, I liked the part when Tez took off the glasses and started talking about winning, and it just kind of ended with like saying win over and over and over again. He was really good there, but man, the sticky thing that O'Reilly and Bobby Fish were doing wasn't quite landing, and the O'Reilly auto parts and Lawrence Fishburne Jr. thing was tryhardy. It was really tryhardy. Chris, I'm out of the opinion, and I am not going to toot my own horn much, but toot toot. If you gave me three weeks with Montez Ford, I could make him into a world champion with swagger. I, I could, that kid, I mean, this show has been a big fan of him for a while. He has main event presence in him. And then he goes goofy and you just go, what the hell? Right. Because he, cause he, had, the, he had the nice clothes on. You put him in a nice suit and a world title belt and you kind of give him what we like to call championship heft and you make him serious. He is great, but him shouting win and that goofy ass New Age Outlaws ripoff introduction of, of Fish and O'Reilly. I just went, my God, they, they, they don't. They don't know what these guys are. So, see, like, I don't hate the win thing, but I, I definitely share the sense that. It needed to be more intense. As each they one went, of these things of- is disjointed. Like, like, there are different beats in this promo, and the beats. One is the knockoff of the New Age Outlaws. And, uh, like, I have one hand out and I go, well, it's interesting because, like, they do sort of comp, in my opinion, favorably to the Outlaws. I think they're a better team. Um, And I think that, you know, even in terms of one-line delivery, Angelo Dawkins is much better than Billy Gunn ever was. Uh, I I liked what Angelo Dawkins says he was going to beat that ass. I thought that was a good line. Oh, that was great. That was great. Yeah. For the win part, I just want him to start shouting win, win, and getting closer and then getting in their faces a little bit to intimidate them a bit. Yes, absolutely. A little bit of a fight feel. Um, As for the O'Reilly and Fish part, part of my problem with Bobby Fish is he has the grizzled veteran look and his tone is way too upper register. I hate to say that because he can't help your voice, but he need if he had more bass in his voice, he'd be a much better grizzled veteran. That said, Kyle O'Reilly does the best high school girl impression I've ever seen on any wrestler. He's so I, I, funny. I that like, impression. I mean, he's playing a character here, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but the way he does it, 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 someone told him channel somebody from Mean Girls, and he's doing it great. I have no problem with O'Reilly's part of this. I, 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 cause that he was supposed to be goofy here. And I, I think it, it's weird because I look at a team like fish and O'Reilly 
and I want them to be a little bit more revival in their delivery in terms of we are technical masters and we can break your arm anytime we want to. And I think the whole point like here is for them to look formidable, but also not too... They don't want them to steal the spotlight from the Street Profits. Because, I mean, this company right now was clearly, you know, emphasizing the Street Profits. I don't think that the Undisputed Era are defeating the Street Profits here at SummerSlam. Um, we'll get to that. I, okay. I, I think it's weird that there was... They built it up in the promo, and then they never got to the real point to me, which was... When they were signing the contract, the, that felt really anticlimactic, right? There were, there, were, there, were two thing, there were two things in there that they should have probably built on a little bit in the promo. They should have built on the obvious size differential between the Street Profits and Fish and O'Reilly. And the other thing was, during uh, Dawkins' promo... He, he's laying out this history. You've beaten every team that's come through here. And he lists all these teams, but you haven't built us. Beat us one-on-one. That's fine. But he also should have looked at them and goes, but it also begs the question, if you're so good, why are you still here? And I, I think I think that can be played upon in certain NXT uh, angles, if you, if it's still a developmental territory, so to speak. Why are you still here and not on the main roster if you're that good of a team? And I think that needed to be played up a little bit in this promo. I don't know how you feel about it. It's just I one of those know. things. I don't were... know if that's a stylistic choice. That it's a strong stylistic choice that you have to make about what the NXT brand is, and it has implications far beyond this angle. I think then... that Trips has this vision of NXT as. Hashtag the best brand in the world, although obviously not better than Raw or SmackDown, but like NXT is part of WWE and it is its own brand. It's not trying to compete with anything. It's, it's there. This is the main event. You are yeah, the main event. Can, but you can also do it without trashing NXT. You can also say, hey, look, maybe they don't see anything in you. Maybe, you know, it, it, you can do the why are you still in NXT without undermining nxt in some ways i just maybe i'm not smart enough to figure it out right now but uh we also had this this half the episode promo video package of adam cole and johnny gargano and it dropped some clues to me about what the third fall stipulation is going to be i liked the promo i just didn't want this on nxt television per se i guess Uh, unless you're going to do this for all the programs and they kind of did in its own way so maybe no, I'm gonna backtrack. I liked this. I liked having a go home video for for this. So I mean, I was fine with it. I think you you didn't like it because you wanted an hour of wrestling. Well, I think you really pull the steam out of the episode when you blow off the Matt Riddle and Killian Dane supposed okay. main event. Okay, and I can, I can get there. Yeah, now I'm like, okay, so that was the main event. So then, what's happening now? Oh, a video package to bring us out. You thought it was a cop-out, and that's why they did the I think if I was editing this show, I wouldn't have even changed the length of that video package. I just would have left, like, five minutes left in the hour and had them coming out, and you're like, how are they going to have a match in five minutes? And then, like, have that angle to end the show, which is much more dramatic and also gets us ready for more wrestling at TakeOver. 
So before we get into our preview, Chris, I'm going to ask a question, but you've already answered it, but I'm going to ask it nevertheless. One of the underlying storylines of this NXT TakeOver is the prophecy of the Undisputed Era leaving Toronto with all the gold. Do you think that the Undisputed Era leaves with the North American title, the world, the NXT title, and the tag team titles? Nope. I think there is a good chance they do. I think there is probably a better chance that they leave with two out of those three and that the one on the outside is eventually turned on by the group. But we will get into that in a bit. Starting with Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai in a singles match. I have liked this build. I haven't loved this build. But I think it's also kind of... uh, it's it's kind of obvious that Candice really has no shot in this match. Right, yeah, no, I, this one really feels like a foregone conclusion. It would make no sense to have Candice beat Io Shirai unless you wanted to really put the rocket on Candice to go ahead and face Shayna Baszler. But they haven't I, really done any of the float on a Candice-Shayna Baszler future at all to make me think that it's going to be anything other than Io Shirai prevailing over Candice in relatively short order. I think it'll be competitive enough, but I think Candice gets maybe 35% of this match and Io takes the other 65%. I think there's a chance they end this with a DQ. And then Uh, the crowd may crap on it after that. That's the problem. Because NXT wants clean finishes, but I could see them having a great match and then bailing on it and just giving you a DQ loss to Candice to set up something. just Candice a whole bunch yeah. to end the match. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, potentially. For the NXT Women's Championship, Shayna Baszler to the champion taking on Mia Yim. I don't see them putting this title on Mia Yim unless they're going to, unless they're, they're bringing up Shayna Baszler on the Raw after, after, after Survivor Series. I don't see any shot at it. I've been wrong before, though. I give it about a 10% chance Mia Yim gets this title. But I think Shayna Baszler destroys her. Yeah, I think that this is more competitive than Io and Candice, right? But that probably translates to 55-45. I get the Mia Yim story now, which is we have to take out the friends of Shayna Baszler because look at how the friends of Shayna Baszler have been protecting Shayna Baszler at key times when Shayna's really been in trouble here. And I think they did a good job telling that story here in the final week, but Mia Yim really should have said that more explicitly before she started attacking Marina Shafir and Jessamine Duke in the build-up to this match. Here's the logical flaw in that story, Chris. You take out Shayna Baszler's friends because they interfere in key times, and then Shayna Baszler just beats you clean. Right, that makes you look like an <laughs> idiot. It makes you look like a. Also, the also way that she Shayna went, look more talented. It's it's. And it's the way weird. she took out Marina and Jessamine was, it was meant to be hashtag street, and so there's like two problems with that. One is the way she was doing it was also just kind of bluntly heelish, where she was coming up on these people in darkness from behind and blindsiding them and attacking them. 
Um, so, yeah, I, Marina and Jessamyn suck, but, you know, attacking somebody with a car door, that felt a little bit extreme. And then you have Shayna Baszler the next week saying stuff like street trash, which also has all these other connotations. And, like, I, I don't... I think this match will be good, but I, I've never really thought that Mia has much of a chance of winning this match. And so now that I'm saying this, I, you're maybe talking me back into the Street Profits getting screwed out of their NXT championships and then having to go up to Raw. But... What does it have to do with me and Shayna? Well, I mean, because they like to have a certain amount of title changes on an NXT okay. card. Okay. So that is important. I, I I just wasn't putting the two together. It's like, it makes me think of this match and... Uh, Makes me think the street profits are getting what? what? You gotta you gotta <laughs> connect these dots. All these pieces move together when they. When no, you need out. to connect these dots. No, you them, need to it. connect. No, you connect them. <laughs> you connect them. For the NXT North American Championship, the Velveteen Dream, the champion, taking on Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. I will go first on this one. I think there is a very good chance that Velveteen Dream drops this title to one of the other two and then gets put into the uh, NXT championship title picture. And I think if that happens, I think the natural story here is for Roderick Strong to win the title and for Pete Dunne to chase him as a measure of revenge. So I'm going with Roderick Strong to win the the championship here. Interesting. I kind of like that. I, I, I could see Roderick Strong. I could also see Pete Dunne winning this because you've got Adam Cole as champion, and you want to have a strong baby face who can sort of be diametrically opposed as the mid-card champion. And Velveteen Dream has been occupying a weird tweener-ish role. He's just, he's one thing one week and he's another thing another week. He's Hogan one week, he's Macho Man the next week. Uh, and that's fine, but it also kind of screams holding pattern. It doesn't scream telling a story that has any end game that builds up Velveteen Dream more. And so I, I'm with you. I think the belt changes. I'm going to say done, not Roderick Strong. I think Roderick is, in your version of events, the odd man out here at the end of the night. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm thinking of bigger things for Velveteen Dream at this point. Um, for the NXT Tag Team Championship, the aforementioned Street Profits of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford taking on the Undisputed Era team of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Chris, I will allow you the floor. Who wins this match? Oh, man. Jeff, you have taken me around the park on this one now. This is this is hard. This is really would hard. You, would you like me to go first since uh, you're still kind of contemplating your options? No. I don't want you okay. to go first. I, I'm going to okay. say that the Street Profits defeat the Undisputed Era. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say the Undisputed Era win this, probably with the help of Roddy Strong in some ways, if Roddy Strong has already wrestled. I think the Street Profits are earmarked for Raw, having been on there week after week after week. I think the easiest way to then transition them as to performers on Raw is to have them lose the belts in some sort of chicanerous fashion so that they are not seen as weak for losing in the eyes of the guy who writes the show. 
even though they lose, they get screwed, so we should be all up in arms. Boo! Boo! They got screwed. This shouldn't happen to them, but they are going to get the... Uh, I think they are uh, not long for NXT, and I think they are going to be the Greek chorus on Raw and probably performers on there. Yeah. Uh, the Raw's answer of the New Day? Yes. That's that's pretty much it right there. Exactly. They're going to be entertaining and non-threatening and all those other coded words that we use for the New Day, so to speak. But yes, they are going to be Raw's New Day. Um, then finally for the NXT Championship, Adam Cole, the champion, taking on Johnny Gargano in a two out of three falls match. I have called my shot on Twitter earlier this morning. The first fall is a street fight as chosen by one John Gargano. The uh, second match, a straight-up one-on-one wrestling match, as put out there by Adam Cole. There are a number of different stipulations that William Regal can choose from. A ladder match, a hell-in-the-cell, a bunkhouse match, a lumberjack match, a two-out-of-three falls match for the third fall. Any type of thing like this, but I think Regal is going to come out and say, let's have some real stakes to this. Judging from the video package and all the all the nostalgia by Johnny Gargano and all the touring by Adam Cole and how much fun it was, I am going to say Johnny's parents on a pole. No, I'm no don't, don't interrupt me in the middle of my monologue. No, um, <laughs> uh, I am going to say that the William Regal stipulation for a third fall, and there will be a third fall, will be Loser Leaves NXT. And I think Adam Cole will win this match. Thus putting into question what's going to happen to Johnny Gargano. Chris, your thoughts. I think that sounds plausible. Johnny does seem like he's at the end of the road for his story. But if you do the Loser Leaves NXT story, you could also have Johnny come back as a Mr. Wrestling type character under the mask. Do what we've talked about, that Dusty Rhodes style character. I could see Tommaso Ciampa screwing Johnny Gargano out of that third fall and taking away everything he ever loved. Um... There's a lot of possibilities here. I don't know if Gargano goes to the main roster. I don't know if he goes to 205 Live, or I don't know if they just take him off TV for a while. And see, if they're not getting rid of Adam Cole here, I think Tommaso comes back as Tommaso the Redeemer. He also loses. But he comes back and tries to fight for his buddy Johnny's honor. I can be it too. I also, there is 10% chance of me given that this Undisputed Era storyline has been an undercurrent throughout the entire build, and with the with the way that Adam Cole won when he was the only title holder, I could see them doing this. Roderick Strong wins the North American title. Fish and O'Reilly win the tag team titles. And Adam Cole loses his title. And the other three are just so tired of his crap that on his way out, after losing a Loser Leaves NXT title match, that the three of them punk him out. But I don't think that they've done enough to earn that spot. 
Adam okay. Cole has not been enough of an insufferable dick to the guys. He needs to yeah. be more self-invested and more self-absorbed and more self-preserving in order to really justify that, man, you've been screwing over your boys moment. Like, what what he would need to do, they don't have the author's pain around anymore. But, like, the Undisputed Era would have to be getting massacred by the authors of pain. And Adam Cole's on the outside, and he's holding a chair, and he could go in and save O'Reilly and Fish and Strong, but instead looks at the chair, looks at the authors of pain, and he's like, nah, I'm not doing that. But they haven't earned that spot. They haven't, they haven't made me really think, wow, Adam Cole's a garbage leader. They've made me go... Yeah, I don't like Adam Cole, but they're all dicks. They're heels. They're the Undisputed Era. It's not, well, the Undisputed Era are a bunch of heels, but that Adam Cole is a real piece of work. I think Undisputed Era should all be brought up as a stable, too. That's my opinion. I I, I like stables, though, so I'm kind of in the minority versus Vince McMahon on that. Uh, on yeah, that and that's the problem is it's like, why bring him up to either one of these main rosters as a stable when Vince just doesn't like working with stables as a narrative unit? Uh, that being said, um, I am going to go with Gargano losing this, and I am going to predict it is a Loser Leaves NXT match. Him going Chris, to 205 Live makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, a bit, but I... I mm, I, he's already been on the main roster, so I don't know if they. If, I mean, do you want to put him on a on a roster that doesn't seem long for this world? And plus, when you're putting NXT on live television, do you want to give up one of your most likable stars? I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. And we were talking I, I earlier about two hundred five live possibly getting dropped into the second hour of NXT when it runs on FS One. So I, I I think you take him off TV to rest up his knees because that's why he hasn't been wrestling all that much this year. And bring him back for when you put him, put them on terrestrial television. Find a way to have him win his, get his win back. But uh, I have talked enough, Chris. What is the way you see this two out of three falls match? And also make an un, uh, uh, a speculative loses. call. Yeah, a speculative no, call. Well, no, a speculative call on the third fall on the third match uh, stipulation. I mean, loser leaves town feels right. More right, of course, is Johnny's parents on a pole, and and if Cole wins, then he gets to own Johnny's dad for a month, <laughs> or or he gets control of the pizzeria. <laughs> the, the the pizzeria's on the line. I honestly think the easiest thing to do is a ladder match. Is you have these two who have killed each other in a wrestling match in a street fight, and then all of a sudden you see the title getting put on a hook and getting lifted, and the two of them just exhausted. And just going, really? We have to do that now? And the crowd going apeshit for it. It could also be last man standing. I could see that. Yeah, so uh, there's a few ways to go. I like Loser Leaves Town. That does feel... That feels final. But I could also see last man standing. So that's going to be my call. Well, that does it for our uh, TakeOver and SummerSlam previews. Uh, another show I was on this week on the Voices of Wrestling Family, Music of the Mat. Uh, interesting choices for real songs of the territories. Songs that didn't quite fit or were used ironically. I think it was a fairly fun show um, with myself and young Andrew Rich. Uh, you can get that on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network or just search your podcast 
uh, feed for Music of the Mat. You can find it that way. I am at Crap Game 13. Chris is at Chris Novembrino. Chris also does certain audio shows of various subjects that he likes to plug on here, and he will do so at this time. Don't Worry.TV is my other show. Don't Worry About the Government on iTunes, on Stitcher, doing news and politics. We also have the All in the Family podcast, which you can find at allinthefamilypodcast.com. There is a chance, a small one, I didn't want to plug in the beginning because I don't want to get any false hope up there, that there will be a hot takes show after SummerSlam with one Rob McCarron and possibly myself. Possibly Chris, if he's around, I don't know. I was hoping to do one after TakeOver. I may just do a Patreon-only one for is TakeOver. Is that Friday or Saturday night? It doesn't really matter. TakeOver is Saturday night, Oh, yeah. And I'll probably be around. be busy. No. Oh, will you? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, we can uh, record something then. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that'll be my way of apologizing to the premium listeners for the fact that I apparently used the computer mic for this entire episode. Should, oh no! The level should be fine, but uh, you know, there are some people who are probably gonna be like, "Why well, is his audio wrong on this episode?" And, that, and that's why I use the computer mic. Um, so uh, sorry about that, but, guys. Um, yeah, and uh, okay, that's cool. And then we can do do that. And um, God, there was something I was gonna say, and I forgot what I was gonna say. About I'm sorry, it, but, I didn't uh, mean to derail you. It's gonna be okay. I, I mean, I, I am, mistakes I am happen. Derailed. No, I'm nobody's nobody's now, perfect, Jeff. Oh, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's kicking a buck. You can listen to all our uh, special audio shows there. The you Jim get the Ca- good microphones. Jim yeah. The freaking Jim. I keep saying Jim Carrey. The Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler episode, the Muda uh, Hakushi episode, the, the watch alongs. I just did one last week, which was uh, October 19th, 1980. Five Mid Atlantic Wrestling on the network. Um, some fun things, some watch alongs, all sorts of goodies on the Patreon for as little as a buck a month. But um, other than that, uh, I forgot what I was going to say because I was derailed by Chris's guitar case and he's going to give me his phone number later. So I call for a date. I look good. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.